Well, today we're kicking off a brand new sermon series called Sticks and Stones. Everybody ready for that? You fired up? I can see it all over your face. I am pumped. Hey, uh, to get started, I just need a little bit of help, okay? And I'm trusting you guys can do that. Uh, I just need you to help me finish this phrase, all right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You guys are a bunch of liars. That's what you are, all right? Uh, man, is that not one of the biggest lies in the American culture, right? Words will never hurt me. They'll never hurt me. Well, here's what I'm here to tell us today and over the next few weeks. Words matter, like a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, here's why I would call that statement a lie is because you could also sit here in this moment, and for some of you, you can think of an old school friend, you can think of a parent or a coach, an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, maybe even a boss from 10, 20, some of you even 40 years ago. And there are moments in your life where what they said still plays in the soundtrack of your mind. Why? Because words matter. Man, they matter a lot. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to have a conversation about our words, all right? And so if you've got a copy of Scripture, let's talk out of God's Word. James chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Um, so love for you to turn there. If you've got the Bible app, hard copy of Scripture, whatever you got, man, let's get it and uh, let it lead us to Jesus today. If you don't have a copy of Scripture, uh, you can follow along with some verses that we'll put on the screen. But I think it's powerful and it's important for you to have something there. Also, maybe for you to write something down so that maybe something sticks and we all begin to live it out together. Now, here's the good news about this series, okay, today and the next three weeks. It really doesn't apply to you unless you have a mouth and a tongue, okay? If that's you, all right, I'll let you make that determination. However you communicate or if you communicate on any form, it matters to all of us. And here's really why, ultimately, biblically, why this matters so much is because all of us were created, okay, we were created as image bearers of our creator. That's what Genesis tells us. We were created as image bearers of our creator. And if you look at Genesis chapter 1, kind of right there in the beginning of scripture, it says that God created all things, and it says he didn't do it with his hands. Um, he, he did it with what? He did it with his words, that God spoke and then it happened. Or we could kind of summarize it up today to say this, words create worlds. That God created the world with his words, but you and I, watch this, you and I in many ways create the worlds that we live in with our words. Words matter a lot. And so that's why we're going to talk out of God's word and let it encourage us um, towards using our words in a way that would make much of God in our life. Now, back in James chapter 1, that's where we were uh, a couple months ago. Some of you guys missed that. In James 1, here's really what James began to do. He began to talk about the grace of God, and he said, when your life gets infected by the gospel, stay with me on the analogy, then some things will look different. Like your life will begin to change if Jesus is really in you. If you play church, it may not change, okay? But if Jesus is in you, things begin to change. And what he's going to say is one of those things that's really going to begin to change is your speech. It's your words. Like, it should begin to look different. Now, if you remember James chapter 1, verse 26, there's a little verse in there about our speech. Um, when we get to James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, he's also going to talk about our speech. But today, as we kick off James 3, the major emphasis of this whole chapter is our words. Now, today we're just going to tackle verses 1 through 6, um, but let's begin to read James chapter 3 together. Here's what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, here's why James wrote that. There are a lot of people that were in the audience of many Christians that James was writing to. 
And although they were not qualified with the ability or the calling to teach, they aspired to be biblical teachers. They were like, man, I'd really love to do that. Um, their motives were for the sake of fame or influence, or to make a name for themselves, or fill in the blank with another wrong motive. And James could see that, so James wrote verse 1 to warn these people. He says, hey, just beware that those of you who publicly teach Scripture will be judged more strictly by others, but primarily by God. And so he says, hey, don't miss this, okay? On the day of judgment, those who teach the Word of God will be judged more strictly because of the influence that they have over others. I would personally sleep a lot better at night if I didn't have to read that warning, okay? Because of where I found myself in life and what God's called me to. But I'm very well aware of what Scripture says and what that calling means over our life. Um, now, that's why, I'm just telling you as a lead teacher, a lead voice in our faith family, that's why I take my role very seriously, all right? What I do, I realize, matters a lot. And uh, kind of a little fun side fact, sometimes people ask me, they were like, hey, so what is it like, like when you're preparing a sermon or a message, like how do you do that? Do you kind of like sit down on Saturday nights and like write some stuff down and then like you just sort of get up and talk about it on Sunday? Not quite, Scooter. Okay, it's a little more than that, all right? No, on, a, on an average week, all right, just because you asked, thanks for asking, on an average week, I spend anywhere from 10 to close to 15 hours leading into prepping for this moment to stand here and talk to you. Why? Because these words matter a lot. What we say matters a lot. And I take this responsibility very, very seriously. In fact, after about a year of doing this, when we launched the exchange a little over 11 years ago, after about a year of doing this, like I just stopped. And I sat down and I wrote a note to all of the men who had pastored me in my life up to that moment. And I just said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I had no idea of the weight of the responsibility that you would carry. And so thank you for, man, just being faithful to the Lord and doing what God's called you to do. Now, here's what I would say. The words that we speak from this stage matter a lot. But here's what I'd also want you to hear. At the same time, please hear that the men all who stand on this stage to speak the word of God are actually just like you. We are imperfect men proclaiming a holy word. And I'm just saying... We don't always do everything that we preach to you, okay? I preach to myself for six days. I preach to you for 30 minutes, all right? But I still don't always get it right. And so do more as we say than as we might always do. But I can tell you that the primary goal of this moment within our gathering when we open up God's Word and teach it is this, that we would ultimately point you not to whoever's wearing the microphone, but to the great teacher, Okay, and the great teacher is the Holy Spirit of God through his word that can speak a far better word than anything that I got to say. All right, so that's where we start. James chapter one or chapter three, verse one. Let's go verse two. James says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, and they're able to keep their whole body in check. James, Captain Obvious, all right, makes this unifying statement, we all stumble in many ways. I really thought that all of you might go. Amen, okay? That's the moment to go, like, right on. Yeah, you got it, James. James acknowledges we all stumble, and then immediately after that, what does he say? He points to the area where perhaps we stumble the most, our speech and our words. And he essentially says, if you can figure out how to control this little thing attached to the front of your face, your whole life will be right. In fact, he, he said, like, the person that every single time perfectly speaks is the perfect person. There's only one little problem with that, right? There's only been one who has figured out how to do that. And in fact, he sits right now at the right hand of the throne of God. 
the rest of us have stumbled a lot, like a lot, a lot. Everybody I know, within the sound of my voice, we've all had to apologize, or we should have, at some point in our life for words that we have said. Now, many times we try to justify it, right? Like I've heard this before, well, I was tired, okay, or I was hangry, and this just came out, okay? Or how about this one? Hey, actually, you really made me say that. Because you did this, because you said that, you made me say that. And I'm just here to kind of go ahead and squash all that from the beginning to go, the problem of the mouth is a me problem. It's not an other's problem. No, it starts with you. I'll back that up with scripture here in just a second. But I'm just saying that we have all made mistakes in that area. Now, I owned to you a couple months ago. We talked out of James chapter 1 uh, about anger. And so I'm just kind of owning to you again today that I am not the most qualified person to teach this topic. Okay, if you've got to have a black belt in everything that you preach, I'm not your boy. All right, I'll come sit with you out there. Um, I have often suffered and uh, been sick with foot mouth disease. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. You get your foot so deep in your mouth, you can't even get that thing out. I have been there before. Many times apologize. Maybe you've been there before too. If you have, awesome. Welcome into the series. This is for you and it's for me. Okay. And so let's lean into what God's word says. Now, I realize as I say this today, and we talk about the power of words. Maybe somebody is going, you know what? Like I'm I'll do what I want to say. I'll say what I want to say. It doesn't really matter. I'm 18. I'm an adult now. I'm a parent. I'm, you know, I'm in charge. Whatever your deal is, so I want to speak to you for a second, okay? Just a little bit backing up out of Scripture. Matthew chapter 12, you can see it on the screen. Jesus is speaking to some highly religious people called the Pharisees, and here's what he tells them. Take this in. Matthew 12, 35. <clears throat> a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account, <clears throat> excuse me, on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I don't know how you read that, but I believe the interpretation says that you and I will ultimately be judged, and we will be held accountable for every word that we speak. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel when you read it, but when I read it, that's a big uh-oh, because I know some of the things that I've said. Our words matter a lot. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, James gave us this warning back a few months ago in James chapter 1. Here's what James says about our words two chapters earlier. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. James says, you can call yourself a Christian, you can claim to be walking with Jesus, you can read your Bible, raise your hands in worship, serve, go to life group, do all those awesome things, and then you can ruin it all with your words. In fact, he says your religion or your church going, good South people, is worthless if you mess it up with your mouth. So that leads us to kind of the first truth I want us to kind of write down, circle, come around today, and that is this. A misaligned mouth leads to a misaligned life. Right? Write that down. A misaligned mouth ultimately leads to a misaligned life. It's not, it's not that just like what I said affected that moment or just who heard it or just me in the moment, but when your mouth is misaligned, it can misalign your whole life from the purposes that God created you for. I just read it, verse 2, James 3. He said, whoever is not at fault in what they say is able to keep their what? Their whole body in check. 
he was like, it's not just about your mouth, but like actually the mouth bone is connected to the whole body bone. Remember that song? <laughs> and he says, if you have control over your tongue, it's an indication that you have control over your whole self. And we could say it this way, a guided mouth leads to a life of direction and purpose, but a misaligned mouth leads ultimately to a whole misaligned life. Let me back it up a little bit more with some scripture. Psalm 34, verse 12, here's what the psalmist wrote. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, that's like, hey, the whole span of my life, I'd love to have that goal. Well, then do this. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. If I ask you to list today, you probably could. We could all list people publicly, maybe some of them even that you know personally, who have ruined their life with a few words, like a statement made in anger, a drunken rant, an email where you hit reply all, hello. A misaligned mouth leads to a misaligned life. And then James, because he knows that we love illustrations, he gives us three of them, all right? three of them in the next few verses. So let's go back to James chapter 3, verse 3. It says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. James gives this illustration of a bit and a horse. How many of you have ever ridden a horse before? How many of you? Okay, horse people, awesome. I know it may surprise you, okay, but I'm not many, known, many times known as Cowboy Bryant. Right? Not done a lot of horse time in my life. Um, I have ridden a few, okay, a couple of years ago. My father-in-law was like, hey, this will be fun. Why don't we load up the whole family and everybody, let's go take a horse ride for my birthday. And because I love his daughter, I was like, yes, sir, we will, okay? And so we went to the little horse farm, all right, and everybody kind of mounted up on their horse. And um, my son, who's 10 now, he was eight at the moment, and he also had not done a lot of horse time in his life. And so he mounts up on his, like, first real horse to, like, go somewhere with this thing. And so we all load up, like eight or nine of us. We get on the horse getting this like long line and the guide's like up front so we're you know going over the river and through the woods to grandma's house on the horse and we're, we're going through this kind of open prairie valley area and all of a sudden we hear my son holler like from somewhere towards the back and we turn around and like his horse was deciding to get out of line and beginning to run and do its own thing thank goodness it wasn't like full gallop western movie quite level um but you know, I I'm, don't even know how to control the horse I'm on, so I don't know how to rescue my son. I'm like, man, I hope we're paying that guy a lot, and he's really good at his job, and praise the Lord, like he was. And so he turns around, does his thing, runs back to my son's horse, and like pulls up right next to it, and immediately grabs the rein, yanks on that thing, and that big bad horse that my son was on just went right there. All because he pulled on the reins, and that little bit in his mouth just made that mighty animal stop. And here's what James is saying. Hey, man, if a little bitty bit control a big, mighty horse, so can a tongue, so can a mouth control the power of a man. So can a tongue control the life of someone by their words. An unbridled tongue, if you will, can taint your entire life. Now, don't miss this. The idea of bridling your tongue, it doesn't mean that like you just shut down your tongue or you go silent. No more words, not talking. No, you know what it means? It means the very same thing that happened when the guy pulled up next to my son on that horse. It means that you take the reins and you give them to a better master. That's what that means. I submit. I let go. It has to be the same way with the authority of our mouth 
Because whoever holds the reins to your mouth, you know what it also James is saying? They also hold the reins to your life. Because a misaligned mouth always leads to a misaligned life. Illustration number two, James chapter three, verse four. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, commentators say James had probably seen a lot of ships on the Sea of Galilee or on the Mediterranean Sea. He'd watched them go through storms, big winds, big waves, but yet the whole ship was controlled by that little bitty rudder, just directing it wherever it wants to go. Um, speaking of really small rudders, all right, did you know that your tongue, our tongue, is like one of the smallest muscles in the whole body? Did you know that? Okay. Some of you are like, I didn't even know my tongue was a muscle. Okay. Welcome to anatomy class and preaching, all right? What I say matters a lot, all right? Your tongue is one of the smallest muscles in your body. It's actually made up, heard this this week, it's made up of like eight different muscles. But do you know what is so unique about the muscle of the tongue? You ready? You know what's so unique? It never gets tired. <laughs> it and some of you are like, I know, I'm married to it. Okay, don't look at them. Do not, do not, do not, do not. Right here, right here, right here. Just me and you, deeply Jesus. Okay, right here, thinking about him. All right. It never gets tired. Like, think about this. If you and I were to exercise whatever muscles this requires, and we were to go out and like take a jog today for a mile, okay, some of us would be like ready to die at the end of that, okay, because you don't run unless people are chasing you, and so that's just how it goes. You, like you and I, we would get tired. That's what I'm trying to say. Our muscles would get tired, but I've never, I've never been in a conversation in all of my years of life where somebody like got to the point and they were like, you got to stop talking. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> like they don't do that. I didn't say I didn't wish that might have happened a few times, but I'm just saying, like, why? Because that muscle, it never gets tired. Smallest muscle, but never gets tired. But you know what James also says? Hey, it may be really, really small, but it can ruin your whole life. That one muscle can ruin and change your whole life for the good or the bad. In fact, the illustrations that James is giving us are to help us all understand this. Write it down. Your life will go in the direction of your words. I'll say that one more time for my note takers. Wherever your tongue steers will be where your life goes. You're like, I don't believe that. Cool, let me prove it to you. You ready? All my married people, the direction of the words that are flowing in your marriage right now is the direction that your marriage is going. Let's hang out for 30 minutes and we'll expose that. How you're speaking to him or to her, guess what? It is changing the direction of your marriage. Parents, teenagers, kids, the way that you speak to your parents or the way that you speak to your kids is dictating the direction of your parent-child relationship. 100%. Take it to the bank. The direction and culture of the workplace that you got to go to tomorrow, and you're like, man, I really want to go to, or maybe you're like, no, I really enjoy my job, love my job. Guess what? It traces all the way back to, man, how we talk about the boss. Inner office emails. What do we text about the boss, about the overseer, about the co-worker after work? Your life will go in the direction of your words. If you want a negative life, you can fix that pretty easy. You just keep speaking negative. Take care of that real quick. If you want to move your life 
in a way of blessing to men? Be a person who speaks blessing. If the tongue is like a bit in the mouth of a horse, or if it's like a rudder on the back of a ship, then it leaves us with a very logical application question in line with the analogy. Who or what holds the reins or directs the rudder of our mouth? And can I tell you the problem with many people in our world, and I don't know, maybe some church people? No one holds the reins. No one's checking it. You know what that means? What they think, it comes out. What they think, it goes on Facebook. Because no one holds the reins. No one's directing the rudder. And when your mouth is misaligned, your whole life will be misaligned. James 3, verse 5, he begins to lean towards the third analogy. This one's maybe perhaps the most powerful. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Verse 6. The tongue also is a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It can set the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. <clears throat> a lot of talk there about fire. James gives this third illustration of a spark, a little bitty spark, leading to an all-consuming forest fire. I was watching the news a few weeks ago, and they're interviewing somebody on there about putting out a fire on the side of the interstate. You know what the guy said? He's like, man, there was a trailer who came by here, had a chain hanging off the back of it, and that chain was just hitting on the interstate at that rapid speed. Boom, little spark, big fire, and we've been working for hours to put that thing out. That's what James is saying. One spark can set a whole forest on fire, just like one misspoken word can cause all sorts of destruction. You know what's true about a fire? Because you've seen it before. Maybe you never thought about it. A fire doesn't care what's around it. It just burns down everything inside. You know what? As soon as I said that, you likely just thought of somebody. Maybe like from the last 30 plus years of your life growing up. Or maybe like immediately like you thought of somebody in your life like right now. And you know every time they walk in the office or the bedroom or they come home, they burn down so much with their words. You know what? It's, it's easy to go like with them and what they say and, oh, my goodness, we're a church that tries to apply the word to ourselves. And so I just say, like, would anyone hear that? And think of you. What they think of you. See, here's, here's the second truth today. Your words build up or burn down. Your words, my words, every day, they will build up or they'll burn down. They will do one or the other. Trust me, they will. The reality is, <clears throat> one day, we will all stand before God in judgment and the truth will be, and I'm just going to put this as plain and simple as I can, the truth will be there will some, be some people who walked and lived through a degree of hell on earth. And the reason is because the enemy got a hold of our tongue. And we caused some great destruction in their life. Because with our words, man, we can literally burn down everything. You can burn down your family, you can burn down your business, you can burn down your community. And uh, I don't know if you've used this excuse before. I've tried it. 
we can often say, well, I was just joking. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean that. No, that was not really what I was trying to say. I was just joking, okay? If you ever tried to work that excuse, I found a verse for you and me this week. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 18. Look at this one on the screen. Like a maniac, <laughs> some of you didn't even know that word was in Scripture. It's there. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, <laughs> I was just joking. I was just joking. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying you can't joke around and have fun with your friends, okay? Don't say the preacher said that, okay? But you know what I am saying? That even a misguided joke can hit somebody like a flaming arrow. And your words can burn down. Our words matter a lot, all of them. The way that you talk to others matters a lot. It builds up or it burns down. The way that you talk to your family especially matters a lot dads here we go you ready our words because i can say this because i am a dad our words dad weigh a million pounds they weigh a million pounds and dads we can lead our family to church we can do bible studies and devotions serve together as a family do all this great stuff and then we can burn it down just like that with our words and i'm in the process of learning that and trying to live that out because there have been many moments where I've come in and burned it down. And every once in a while, maybe God will give me the grace to say, I'm proud of you, and then have my kid look at me and say, there's nothing better you said, Dad, than that. Dad's our words weigh a million pounds. In your business, you can have a great strategy, an awesome five-year plan, make it, I'm all for strategies, but you know what? Then in five minutes with five words, you can burn it all down. So the question really is today, as we look at all these illustrations, and all the question is this, are you a person who speaks blessing or cursing? Are you a person who speaks blessing or cursing? And let me go ahead and fix what you already thought. Cursing, all right, is not just the four-letter words we drop in the South. That's part of it, but it's way deeper than that. Cursing, as Scripture would say, is gossip, slander, backbiting, negative talk, being ungrateful, have I hit you yet? These are the things that James is talking about. And he's saying, pay attention. I mean, our words matter. They carry so much value. Our words can burn down, but they can also build up. They can also build up. In fact, here's what Paul says. Let me show you what Paul says. New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Amazing verse. Write it down. Do not, do not let any unwholesome talk, any burn down the house talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for what? For building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. James says, or excuse me, Paul says, and James says, it's possible to use your mouth, to use your words in a way to build other people up. In fact, if you'd go, I'm a follower of Jesus, awesome. You know what that means for me and you? We're commanded to do that. It's not like, hey, maybe I'll add that to my resume. No, like, that's what we should be growing in. You got those people in your life? Like, they have, like, the gift of encouragement. Like, God birthed them into the world, like, pepping everybody else up. Okay? I got some of those people in my life, and I'm so jealous of the gift that God's given them. All right? And I have to repent for that, too. But you know what? I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the gift that they have. Like, sometimes I'm like, man, I really need some encouragement. Like, I'll just shoot them a random text hoping they come back with some encouragement. You done that before? <laughs> man, I really need a pick-me-up today. 
Let's text Steve. He'll pick me up, right? You got those people in your life? Then what if, what if we all were those people? Like, does, does any, would anyone say that about you? They'd be like, man, have you met John? You met Ashley? Like, every time we text, like, they got something good to say. Like, when we hang out, do office projects together, we're doing this work thing together. Like, every time, like, I end it, I'm like, man, like, I know more about Jesus. I'm more like the character of Christ because of what they say, how they email, what they post, how they talk to me. Scripture says you can burn down or you can build up. But our words will do one or the other. Now, I want to give you this story. You're familiar with it. Matthew chapter 4. We're not going to read it, so I'm just going to talk about it. But Matthew chapter 4, you remember the story we read about Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, right, for 40 days and 40 nights. And Scripture records three different moments where Satan tempts Jesus. And you remember what's really interesting is Jesus didn't fight off the devil by saying, well, I'm smart enough, devil, or I'm wise enough, or there's enough people who know me. No, every time, you remember what Matthew 4 says? Every time that Satan tempted, Jesus responded with this. He says, it is written. You coming again? Oh, hey, it's written. Third time? No, it's still, it is written. And here's why I'm saying that to you in the midst of what we're talking about today. Because Jesus didn't fight off the enemy with his own willpower, but with the truth of the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Here's the final truth for today. This is the answer. You ready? The Spirit in you is the solution for the speech that comes out of you. The Spirit in you is the solution. That's the answer. It's like a whole lot of bad news today, Brian. You got anything on the good side? Here we go. The Spirit in you is the solution for the speech that comes out of you. Because listen, some of you, okay, some of you have been trying for 25 years, 45 years, 65 years, because you've been burning down office buildings and your marriage and your school and your friends, okay, with your words. And you're like, man, I can't figure out how to slow this train down because, like, it's just running over everybody. And I've read a good book and I've tried some hard things. and all. Listen to me. Scripture says today, may the life of Jesus be an example. It is the Spirit in in you. Now, let me clarify real quick because some people might interpret spirit a little bit different. Okay, what are, you, what are you saying when you say spirit? Well, here's what I'm talking about when I say Holy Spirit. You ready? I'm talking about when your life comes to the point that Gracie's did earlier or Dante. And you go, you know what? Not me anymore. I'm not the leader anymore. I've messed this thing up. And so I surrender. I submit. I turn over the reins to Jesus to come and save me and go back to last week, not just to save me from my sins, I need that, but also to be Lord over my life. And I, I, I follow you with my life. And scripture says, when you come to that place of confess, believe you are Lord, he saves you. And then you know what he gives you? He gives you the gift of his spirit. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. And what we're saying here is that I'm going to activate that spirit, not like, hey, got the warm feels on Sunday for 60 minutes. I'm talking about the spirit that's alive on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday as I walk in the spirit, James, or Paul says. And Paul says, as I walk in the spirit, you know what I won't do? I won't gratify the desires and the cravings of my flesh. And you know where we get it messed up with our mouth a lot? The desires and the cravings of our flesh. So the spirit in you is the solution for the speech that comes out of you. 
And as the Word of God is in your life, do you know what the Word of God also does? It increases your awareness to the Holy Spirit. So if I'm reading the Word on Monday morning, maybe on Monday afternoon when I've got that little iffy interaction going on with my coworker, I can hear the Spirit more clearly because I planted the Word that morning. You following me? The Spirit in you, that Spirit. See, we can build up or we can burn down. A horse can run wild and cause chaos. Or when it's submitted to its master, then it can run with great beauty and purpose and strength. There'll be millions of people watch it run around a track in Kentucky, right? A ship can go off course and cause great turmoil. Or when it's submitted to its captain, it can take passengers or cargo from A to B and serve a great purpose in our world. A fire can burn down a whole forest, or when it is submitted and controlled, it can keep someone warm and comforted in the freezing cold. Your words have the power to build up or to burn down, but the only solution for the speech that is coming out of you is the spirit alive in you. And perhaps no other verse, man, speaks to the power of our tongue more clearly in scripture than this one. I want you to see it. Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, with its speaking life and the produce that comes out of that, the encouragement, the life that comes out of that, those around you, man, they'll soak it up. They'll eat its fruit. I read a stat this week, and it said that the average person speaks around 7,000 words a day. Now, for some of you, it is 7,000 by 7 a.m., okay? And we love you so much, right? Okay? We're so grateful for you. After our coffee, we're grateful for you. Let's just say 7,000. Let's roll with that. You know what that is? That's 7,000 chances a day to speak life or to speak death. Maybe you're kind of new to our faith family, and you're like, man, Kind of getting up in my business. Well, we believe that the word of God, man, speaks to us in such a way that we should live it out. Like, we actually don't think that it's enough to sort of hang out today in the room, online, nod at the preacher, sing a few songs, take notes, and then just go home like nothing happened. Okay? Like, our goal, actually, as a faith family, is that we would read this thing, and as James said in chapter 1, that we would not just hear the word, but then we would be doers. We would actually do what it says. Okay? And so, so excited. Here's what we're going to do with what it says. You ready? I'm inviting everybody, starting today, into what we're calling the Sticks and Stones Challenge. That's it, okay? And here's what that means. Over the next three weeks of walking through James chapter 3, or 21 days, I'm challenging all of us, number one, to memorize Proverbs 18, 21. That's it, one verse, okay? And you already forgot it. (laughs) Awesome. So let me show it to you. Here we go. Put it on the screen. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In fact, I'm giving you a one-up. Okay, we're going to say that together, and I'm already going to begin to impress it in your mind. Okay, here we go, Proverbs 18, 21, say it with me. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Where is it found? Proverbs 18, 21. Good. I know, some of you, like, you can't even remember memorize five things on your grocery list, okay? But I'm going out on a limb. I got so much confidence in you. You got 21 days to put this thing inside of you, Okay. That's number one of the Sticks and Stones Challenge. You ready? Here comes number two. You ready? Practice it 
by speaking one intentional, life-giving thing a day. Just one. Now, I told 930, okay, I was sitting in my office this week, and I felt like the Spirit was speaking, and I was like, Spirit, did you say three things a day? Because I don't know if I have that much confidence in me, all right? So I backed it down to one, all right? So I've got so much confidence. You can come through with just one, just one thing a day for 21 days. Now, how am I going to do that? Who do I speak it to? Well, maybe your spouse, if you're married, that'd be a great place to start. Your parent, your child, to a friend, to a coworker, maybe it's a random stranger at the grocery store that God puts them in your path. Well, how am I going to speak it? Like, what, what does that mean? Where do we say it? However you communicate should be how you communicate it. So I hope that sometimes it's like looking at somebody eye to eye and speaking life. Maybe it's somebody, it's a text message. Maybe it's through social. Maybe it's another way that you communicate. Now, let me say this, okay, and don't miss this part because this is very vitally important. Spouses, hello. When your spouse looks at you, ladies, when your husband looks at you and he tries to speak life to you, do not look at him and go, is that all you got? Really? Is that, is that, it? Is that it? Do not do that. Husbands, when your girl slides in the bed next to you and she looks at you and tries to speak something that she saw in you that day and she affirms you, do not be like, babe, where's that been for a little while? Okay, do not. Do not do that. Because you know why? Listen to me. Listen to me. They're trying. And you know how you start on a journey? You start somewhere. Parents, do not look at your kids. Teenagers, do not look at mom and dad when they try to affirm you and be like, I wish that would have been there the last five years. Don't do it. Don't do it, because they're trying. Some of you are like, this is silly. I would never do this, okay? And I would just ask you, as you burn down things around you with your words, what else are you trying? Okay? So let's start somewhere together. Like, let's, let's try. Let's just give it a shot. Just 21 days. 21 days. So that means we start today, October 29th, and we're going to go through Saturday, November 18th. My math's right? That's 21 days. Now, here's a question. How am I going to remember to do this? That's you and the Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> I'm like, I'm releasing at this point. See if baby bird can fly, okay? So for some of you, here, I'm going to help you out. For some of you, maybe that's you write a quick note, okay? Just S&S challenge, sticks and stones challenge. You put it on your dashboard. Put it on your office desk. Put it on your bathroom mirror. That's your reminder, okay? If you're like me, okay, and you live off the reminders on your phone, okay, I got like 27 of them undone right now, okay? Got to figure out how to fix that, all right? You put a reminder on your phone, goes off, 7 a.m. every day, 7 p.m., whatever's best, okay? There's a brand new app I heard about called Good Habits, totally free, like you just punch it in there and just pop up on your phone. You look at your phone 2,000 times a day anyway. What if just one time it was like, hey, remember that six and so challenge the crazy preacher talked about? Hey, what if you just tried that and maybe it began to change your marriage? Maybe you begin to be a light in the workplace rather than a spark that started a fire. And we just started, like, so... Why would we do this? Like, what, what's the purpose of it? Well, I thought about it this week, and I thought, you know what? The more that we fill our mouth with words of life, the actual less room that we have to speak words of destruction. Because it's logistically impossible to do both of them at the same time. And my thought is that, man, what if God would grow this spiritual practice? Because I think it is. What if he grew this spiritual practice in us over the next 21 days, and you got to November 18th, and you just kept going? 
Why? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And man, your words matter. They'll build up or they'll burn down. They are right now. They'll speak life or they'll bring death and destruction. And my hope, my prayer in this is that all of us would begin to choose to allow the Spirit of God who's in us to control and dictate and filter and power the speech that comes out of us. No matter where you may be in life or in your faith journey, we pray today's time pointed your heart to what is true and gave you hope to hold on to. We want you to know that we are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you learn what it means to get life in Jesus and give life to others as you live out your faith. To get a conversation started with one of our ministry team members, you can send us a private message or text your first name to 601-397-6111. We would love to pray for you and walk you through anything that you may be experiencing. You can find reading plans and other resources to help you take the next step in your faith on our website, www.theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as a church, let us speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.